Hey friends, Scott Sullivan here, Discipleship Catalyst, Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and we're excited today to have Dr. Jody Dean with us on our panel. Uh, we've been getting several questions in the audience uh, here in the office that uh, really just talking through um, what's happening in our local churches, and they deal a lot with finances. So Jody's going to uh, give us some insight. He uh, does a lot of administration things there there at the the college. Matter of fact, Jody, your official title there at the office. Uh, at New Orleans is Associate Professor of Christian Ed and Senior Regional Associate Dean for Extension Center. So it sounds really super official, bro, but we're <laughs> glad to have you here. And, uh, you know, Jody's not just, you know, really good when you talk about administration and some of those details that for a guy like me, and they're just sticky details, it's hard to discuss. And those things come naturally for you. And, and not only you're good at that, but you're a good friend. And I really appreciate you coming on just to help answer some questions. And we look forward to comments. So those of you who are viewing, uh, make sure that you ask comments below because we're going to be giving, just like we do every week, giving some free swag away from Georgia Baptist Discipleship. Love for you to win that, but you won't win unless you comment. Let us know where you're from and what's going on. So, uh, Jody, but you're there in Louisiana, huh? You got any, any got anything you want to share from the Louisiana side of things? Well, you know, it's just we're hoping everybody has a perfect season of ministry, just like we experienced a, a perfect season uh, this. I past mean, I don't even know what you're talking right, about. Right, right. Like I'm sitting here and so, so I just, uh, you know, it may not be uh, what we would consider normal, but we do have the opportunity to have a perfect season in ministry by just following the leadership of the Lord and, and being sensitive to what he wants us to be doing. I know I, I teach and, and live in the wheelhouse of discipleship and church administration. So for me, it's fun talking about a discipleship strategy, strategy and then coming over here and going, well, how are we, do we have a risk management plan for that strategy? And do we have the resources and funding we need for that strategy? And, and how are we going to do all that in light of a, a changing culture and a changing rhythm of how we approach life and how we approach work and, and how our families have changed in the past 10 plus weeks as this just continues. And so it, I'm looking forward to us having a, uh, a perfect season of ministry through all of this, just like um, Scott and I and our teams and our friendship got to experience a perfect season on the football field uh, last year with our team. Go Tigers. Matter of fact, my boss just came by and put a pink slip on my door when I, when I wore that hat. So, no, Joe, let me kick with first question. Uh, we don't want to waste any time, yours or the viewer. So, um, we're talking the issue today is how can we save money? Or there's some places that churches can look to cut as we look to uh, stay stable from a financial sure. perspective, but also um, with the focus of maximizing gospel impact. So, here's a question I have for you. What would you say are the top five places that a church could look at to trim sure. budget uh, to keep their church financially stable? Two of those areas that we sometimes think about in the church budget, Scott, that are, are we would say is a more fixed expense would be in the areas of utilities and insurance. Well, if I was in a situation, which I currently am in, in the church I'm serving, um, I would be looking at my insurance policy to go, well, if we're not actually doing all the activities that we were doing, uh, then do we need to revisit uh, our insurance policy and what we're covered for and how we're covered? Do I need to restructure that to where I have more online coverage for the Zoom meetings with small groups or the Facebook live service uh, to where I restructure my policy to where I can find some room to save in my insurance? 
Um, you might not be able to find room to save there, but it's also a season where insurance companies are changing some things on the fly with all of this. And so uh, you might even be able to negotiate a smaller premium. Yeah, well, we're not doing Wednesday nights right now. So could we, could we have a smaller uh, premium? Uh, you know, our car insurances did that for us for a couple of months. So maybe there's some room to negotiate with your insurance premium. Utilities though, uh, we're not using our facilities at the same place we were using them February. And so we're not gonna be using them this summer the same way we used them last summer. And so the other aspect is our utility costs for the year should be down. And so with that, there's another place that you could actually, uh, no matter what church size, whether you're in a church of 50 or a church of 5,000, you should be able to save on the HVAC cost by bumping the thermostat up a little bit, not programming the building for all those times that you would use it during the week. And, uh, and if your staff is not meeting in the office every day, uh, right now, there's no need to be running the HVAC at the same level you were running. So don't pay for utilities you don't need. Uh, that's just good stewardship would be uh, up our thermostat and save some money, just like I do at my house. Um, second, uh, another aspect of that, Scott, is I've been reevaluating all our subscriptions. So um, we have periodicals that we provide to families and uh, we have uh, literature that we provide to people. And so the printed resources that we have subscriptions with our quarterly plans with, we've actually cut back on those. I did not order any of our summer printed resources. I went with the digital pass um, for my church. And so we saved several thousands of dollars in that regard because we're not gonna be physically regathered in small groups. We're not gonna be physically regathered um, in ways to distribute that uh, those resources. So I've been saving in subscriptions and um, and some people are still ordering teacher books, but not student books. And so just reevaluating your quarterly and monthly subscriptions that you may or may not need right now, or how you can restructure those for the new normal to save you some money. Um, and you can, everywhere I find a hundred dollars, I'm happy. If I find a thousand, I'm even more excited. If I, if I find even more than that, the finance committee's happy. So, um, you know, so if we're just uh, able to work that way, um, Scott, the fourth thing that I've just really found a way to save some money on right now in this season is, and help some churches as well with this, is summer activity. Uh, whether it was chartering buses to go to camp, whether it was subsidizing the cost of camp, paying for chaperones way to camp, or uh, reducing the cost of students to go to camp out of the church budget, there's hundreds to thousands of dollars that will not be spent at the same way it was being spent if you look at 19 or 18 or 17 budget cycles. So our summer budget from an activity standpoint is just not gonna be the same expense this year for most of us. And so with that, churches of all sizes are gonna be able to save, uh, usually in a season of less giving in the summer as people are traveling, uh, we now also have the aspect of spending less. I'm actually encouraged in the last three months of indicators, our giving has been more month to month than it was in 19. And so as uh, you start thinking about your church, you might be looking at your financials year to date, uh, as well as comparing it to last year and going, wow, our people have still been giving, which could be promising as many of our people have gotten adjusted to online giving that even if they're on vacation, they give anyway. Uh, so we could see our summer giving actually stabilized and better than in previous summers as more of our people have gotten adjusted to online giving. And then the last thing 
And I would just encourage you, I know I'm a seminary professor, so let me put on that non-consultant, uh, interim guy, speaker, conference breakout leader, those kind of hats that I wear throughout the year. Let me put on the professor hat for a moment. You may be listening and going, well, if we cut out convention and conferences for our staff, then that would be another area of savings. That could be true if they're traveling to conferences. Those conferences could now be a digital platform where they could do a digital um, charge for that for 99 bucks and, and get the whole staff into a conference as opposed to everyone traveling to that conference. Uh, we're not going to be traveling for the Southern Baptist Convention this summer. So that's a great way to save money. But another way for a church to use that money is not find that as a cost-saving way, Scott, but I would say, could you reinvest that if your staff is attending seminary? Could you reinvest in helping them take an extra class due to this season of life? Or could you help them offset their tuition costs so they're not trying to figure out, can I stay enrolled or not deferring their education to years down the road in their ministry, but able to finish that doctoral degree, finish that master's degree, finish that undergrad degree. So I would encourage you as churches, as leaders, to uh, encourage your staff to stay the course, to apply for scholarships. And uh, hey, if they're wanting to do an extension center in Georgia, or they'd like to be an online student, or find out about our mentoring program at New Orleans, I'd be happy to talk to them about doctoral or master's work. Um, but I just know that sometimes we cut those extra things within staff to not cut salaries. And so I would just say, don't cost them a year or two of their education in this season. Help them press on and plow forward um, and find other ways uh, to cut in your budget as opposed to your salaries, if at all possible. I love that idea, Jody, you know, because some people, and I would say not many, but some go immediately to staff, go immediately to right. salaries and start cutting. And man, there are places um, I've, as I talk to professionals like you that are in churches that are finding places to cut, that are keeping the church financially stable, sure. keeping staff to let them know that you're a priority and we love you. And we realize you got to provide for your family to get through this season. I even had one mention about recalculating budget, which you alluded to just now. And the idea was if you, let's say you just to give a round number, say your monthly uh, requirements, $10,000, right? But over right. the last four weeks, you've brought in $6,000. That sure. that's a good place to start in recalculating your budget to know right. about your expenditures, your inflow and outflow. So, man, just, just really good ideas uh, for those in the local church to chew on. Let me give you another question here that sure. uh, has come across our desk. So, what are, so, you know, we're talking about these churches that are pulling back funds. We're, we're not spending. We're cutting subscriptions, all these different things that are happening. So what are some signs or some markers um, in the local church that, that we can look for um, before we would consider releasing funds again in the local church? Are there some health signs or some markers that, that they could look for? Well, the first thing I do is I look at last year giving. And I go, hey, if June is, gonna be, is looking to be like June of 19 and we still finish the year strong, then chances are I'm going to finish this year strong. And so I'm going to be looking at our markers of what did we do last year? Because some people look at finances in a silo or in a vacuum of, well, this month was not good. Well, if you look at it, every May for the past 10 Mays was not really good. You didn't meet budget the past 10 years in May. So it's not a COVID-19 pandemic reason you didn't meet budget in May. 
It's just, it's natural for you not to meet budget in May. And so I would want to look at a comparison place before I just, uh, to know that what's my baseline. Now, if I look at that comparison, Scott, and I know, okay, we're 20% down from where we were last year. Okay. Then I need to take the next two months and see if we're back to normal or if we're still down 20%. Uh, and so if we're still down 20%, then I've really got to start cutting my budget significantly because I know I'm, I'm probably going to finish the year down 20%. And if I haven't cut the first five months of expenses, the first six months of expenses by 20, then I really got to cut the next six months by 40% to balance if I don't have a strong rainy day fund. A rainy day fund is, you know, just, you probably have heard this, it's good to have several weeks of of income and readily available savings. So in your church, how much reserve do you have to touch? And what's the process to begin? Okay, we had a $120,000 budget per year, 10,000 a month, and we've been bringing in 6,000 a month. And so we're looking to end the year at 72,000. Well, if you're gonna spend a full 120, if you're not able to save 20, 30,000, like we talked about those five things, Scott, if you're not able to find twenty or thirty thousand to shift, then do you have fifty thousand in a rainy day fund? Do you have twenty thousand in a rainy day fund uh, that you could begin to touch uh, to offset to balance out? Mm. And then that's going to give you the cushion you need to begin thinking about twenty one of is this going to be a permanent reduction uh, uh, going forward for our ministry for our church? And if so, then we're going to have to make the hard 20% cut going into 21 and then work to build back just like we did after the great recession, uh, basically a decade ago. Some of us had to trim, maybe reduce staff, reduce some of our programming, recalibrate, uh, reprioritize, and then uh, build back in as we could afford to do so. So I would say, um, as I begin looking at that, um, I would also know that this is somewhat regional right now, Scott. So mm -hmm. if I'm in South Georgia and we're re comfortable regathering and the government's going to let us regather and we're going to be normal for the fall school year in South Georgia, then I'm or I'm in North Georgia in, in the Blue Ridge area or, or the Atlanta area, wherever I may be in, in the state, um, if my region is going to get back to school as far as a normal school year for K-12 in August, then chances are our churches by Labor Day are going to be looking at a more normal routine of a weekly schedule. And if that's the case, then I'm more comfortable looking at by Labor Day, we're going to reserve, uh, we're going to resume, uh, uh, we're going to reserve for summer to resume for fall. Oh. That's good. And, and so solid. that's kind of what I would be thinking. There's one caveat though, Scott. Um, some churches were comfortable applying for the PPP money. Uh, not, there was a, you know, people are on, on a spectrum here of no government funding to it's okay to ask for government funding. I, I'm not going to bring that conversation into this one except to say if you applied for PPP money, then your outlook on financial picture is one that you need to be working with your banker. Uh, the bank that helps you apply for that money, find out if you're going to be forgiven for that money and start that process of being forgiven for the money you took. And, uh, and then look at what is your plan for releasing that money? Is that going to be rainy day kind of funding for the future? Or is it going to be applied to general funding? 
but there are some stipulations to that money that people need to be aware of and not just be spending that money uh, as far as with the plan that what happens if it's not forgivable and fall comes and you got to pay that money back and it's now a loan. So that's one caveat people need to have in the back of their mind that took the PPP money is, um, is processing that forward. That's good, Jody, because, you know, I don't know if that was you and I were talking um, about a week ago, but there are some churches that were, that had received the money. We're going to put it in a savings account and wait to see if it was going to be forgiven. And, um, and, and one guy had mentioned that he thought he had read where that's got to be used within a certain period of time. So if you've right. got that sitting in a, in a savings account, you've got, that's a great idea. You've got to be talking to that banker to know how much you can spend when it's got to be used by. Yes. And then, uh, although you use it, you need to be parking money just in case uh, that money's not forgiven. So you can start making your loan payments yeah. or just pay it back in full and not have a loan. Um, and of course your guiding documents with your bylaws and your fiscal policies and procedures should help you know what that means. And so um, if you did it uh, that, and you received it, uh, then you know the application is open for you to be applying for forgiveness, but you do have specific parameters to follow. They're putting new information out regularly from the government. And uh, you just need to be sure you don't find yourself in a catch 22 with any of that. Right. And that you are on staying on top of that and, and, the, and what's required of you and how that works for you. Um, that would be the other consideration before I release too much money, Scott. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't let that be going, oh, we got that money, we spent it. And that's just like a bonus month's offering or something to that effect. Um, I would not be getting excited yet until I have a letter of forgiveness. Um, and so I would be, I would, that would be the other catch out there if I was one of those churches that received that money. That's good. That's good. Now, for those of you that are viewing, I'm going to ask you a question. And, and Jody and I are not, not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I'd love to hear from you all uh, in the comments. What considerations are you taken into effect when you think about your 2021 budget? Because a lot of churches here in the next few months, summer leading into fall, are going to be setting those budgets, thinking through 2021. We'd love to hear from you all in the comments. Just what are you considering? What are some of the questions you have? What are some of the things you're looking at so you will know how to set that up? Because, man, a lot of local church leaders right now are just wondering, how in the world do you set a 2021 budget when you're not really sure how 2020 is going to end, you don't know what pandemic's going to look like, even in August, much less January or, or next April. So uh, put those questions in the comments, and, um, and we'll be responding to you through the comments. Jody, while they're doing that, let me, let me move to this question here. Should leaders keep their current service teams or committees, depending on how their church is organized, should they keep those committees or service teams in place or the way they normally do, they'd be replacing those and making those calls leading into August. Would you have, do you have a suggestion of what you're seeing? I do. Uh, one thing is I think 2021 is going to be two unknown kind of years where steady leadership is going to be needed. So if I could renew my trustees, if I could renew my finance committee or team, my personnel committee or team, Uh, my properties committee or team, kind of those three primary areas, as well as the trustees who are signing those legal documents. If those four areas could be the same people through 21, 
just to let us know what's changing while we made the decisions in 20 that we made, um, to just give us that continuity of leadership, I would try to re-up everyone. The other thing I don't want to do right now as a minister is I don't want to be calling all my lay people, hey, I know you've not been comfortable regathering yet, and you're hardly leaving your house with a mask on to go to the grocery store, but would you be willing to teach a small group for me next year? We're working through the nominating committee re-upping everybody. I don't know that we're in a season that that's the kind of contact we need to be having with our people. I think we also have to be aware, Scott, that some of our people fall in that vulnerable category. They've taught Sunday school faithfully. They've been a deacon faithfully. They, they've uh, served on a committee faithfully, our leadership team faithfully, but they consider themselves due to a health issue we may not even have been aware of or some other aspect that they're caring for a vulnerable elderly parent, a VP. And so uh, they may not consider themselves a vulnerable person, but they're taking extra precautions because of that, that even though we may freeze our leadership for another church year, if you will, um, we may need to also allow some people some opt-outs if they can't serve another year. Does that make sense? It's good. Uh, because we may get to a place by fall, we're not doing a deacon's meeting by Zoom, or we're not doing uh, a finance meeting by Zoom, or it could be your church is of a size, you didn't feel comfortable doing Zoom meetings. And so you did not want to do the business of the church by Zoom. And if you start regathering those people in, 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 a, in a room to have those meetings, they may, some of your leadership may not be comfortable coming to those meetings. So you just need to you need to weigh all of that, if that makes sense at all. Um, that, uh, I, would, I would suggest if you can do it with your church, be comfortable with it, to uh, extend everybody's term another year. And, uh, and then it, but I would also allow for the people that are just not, um, just not quite ready to regather like we are, or, or they have some other uh, concerns in their life causing them to be more hesitant in the regathering that we don't, uh, make them feel that they can't, uh, they're failing the church by not serving another year. And mm. so uh, we would need to give them, an, I believe, an opt-out. That's good. That's good. If you're watching a broadcast, let me encourage you to do this. We'd love to hear uh, your questions. So make sure you comment below. Uh, maybe your questions what you're dealing with when you think about upcoming committees and filling spots throughout. And Jody, I want to quickly do one more. Let's try to knock this out in the next 30 hey, Scott, seconds. one other suggestion. Go ahead. Can I, can I make it before we go there? Yeah. It would be a good time, though, as a pastor, associate pastor, a, a lay minister, uh, to also look at your structure and go, do I need every committee that I have? Mm. It, it is a good time. Anytime we go through a shift like we are currently experiencing, to also look at our structure and go, is there a way to make this leaner, uh, tighter, more efficient? Um is there some, if, if, uh, if you've gone three months now and you've not needed half the committees that you have to help you make the critical, critical decisions and continue to be in the church, are you going to need them when you regather to be a committee? Hmm. I'm not saying rewrite your bylaws, change the whole structure of your church, but it's good as a leader to go ahead and make notes of those. So in 21, if things start getting back to normal for you, you've already made good notes of action steps for when you can uh, push for a little change to create a little tension to, to enhance your ministry. I would be making notes of those things that you may not be able to change now, 
but to make on a priority for when you can. Hmm, that's good. That's good. Final question, Dr. Dean. Um, in your church, you can come from your experience because you're leading sure. a, a, a healthy church there where you are. What are the top three to five service teams that you think need to be fully engaged when churches start thinking about this reopening? Because, you know, one okay. of the things that we, we know has to be your, the pastor has got to be on point, that worship leader, he's got to be set, you know, whatever sure. team he's got around, got to be good. But when you think about maybe volunteers and service teams around there to make sure that reopening, man, it's got to be good. It's got to be as sure. effective from a human standpoint as we can be. What would you speak to that? Well, Scott, a couple of uh, things uh, with that, that um, we, uh, I'm having to remind some of our lay people uh, from my specific context currently that our media volunteers and our worship team, praise team, musicians, et cetera, they never stopped. And so they've been every week making it happen. It's just been more behind the scenes. And so um, in the regathering, it's they're still engaged weekly. So I'm assuming you've already counted those people in this conversation, uh, as you alluded to. The other thing is first impressions is so important right now. Uh, we've been regathered for two Sundays in my context. And here's what I've learned firsthand. I've got people that don't want to wear a mask, and I got people that think we shouldn't be wear uh, that we should. Everyone should be wearing a mask. We took the line that if you're a volunteer, you wear a mask, and so uh, walking through, and it's a touchless experience. Social distancing in the room, cleaning after the service, and then having to bring in another service. We were in one service, and a lot of social distancing to get everybody in the room. We had to go to two services, so it's been fun regathering. But we spent three weeks coming up with a plan before we regathered. And so, but first impressions became huge for us. People out on the sidewalk holding a sign, welcome back to uh, people on the porch saying, good to see you today, glad you're here. The door's already open because of social distancing, didn't want you to have to open it. Door's already open, you walk in, and then the usher's at the next available seat. You have to go find your seat. It's very unbaptist, but you have to go to the next available seat. And we're filling the room from the front to the back, right? So first impressions has been that whole process. Well, that usher that was telling you where to sit, he does the same thing when we dismiss. So he's letting you go, you're now free to leave. So we're delaying the move because you know how it is. We're going to be fist bumping, elbowing, great to see you out on the front porch when the service is over. So we've kind of been delaying that release of just not the whole room leaving at once uh, to be sure people get out to their cars and move on and, and that kind of stuff. So it's been fun. So we're not passing the offering plate. So that first impression person's serving as like a venue usher, if you will, helping people find their seat, uh, find their pew. Then uh, we had to, uh, we, we just have uh, boxes uh, wooden boxes that look nice that a, a layman made for us and you just drop your offering in as you leave the door. So that usher that's letting you get up has got that box for you and uh, you can give as you leave. And so um, it's been completely different walking through that, but first impressions became key for us and our deacons have been a key area of letting them model servant leadership right now. Helping people just see our deacons in a serving role um, washing the feet of the people and just helping out in all those uh, places. There, you see them on the first impression team, the praise team, the media team. Of course, they're throughout the ministries of the church, but they're also helping us fill that front line. Um, 
so deacons were there. And then um, the preschool space, we have not reopened yet. But we are already planning for when we regather 2.0, if you will, to where the restrictions are where we can meet in groups of larger than 10 in a classroom, that we could regather our preschool area. Then the, the third aspect for us would be that preschool space during worship care. Um, we still had to come up with space for a nursing mom uh, during service, currently since we're doing worship only. Um, and then, uh, so that third phase would just be for the preschool children's space, what that's gonna look like, how we're gonna care for that. And then the fourth phase of that would just be, we're back to a full schedule. Hmm. And so, um, but primarily for us, it's been first impressions, greeters, ushers, uh, deacons with that, but we already had the media worship team already doing what they do every week. And then uh, the fourth piece would be adding preschool in the normal schedule. Love it. Dr. Jody Jean, Jody Dean, man, I appreciate you being on with us. If you're viewing today, we're going to close out our, our time. Make sure you drop questions in the comments. We'll continue to interact through that. But lots of questions that are happening right now, bro. I know you're dealing with it in your church. We're dealing with it here in Georgia. And uh, we're super excited for everybody who's tuned in for these broadcasts so we can continue to uh, just bring information to help increase church health in Georgia, but really beyond. And uh, Jody, it's really pretty cool, man. The last two weeks, we've had folks from um, Mexico, England, you know, across the big pond that are tuning in because there are a lot of places that folks are not giving answers. So we appreciate you helping us be a place where folks can find answers. We'll see you guys next week.